So if you're joining us for the very first time today, uh, we are on our fourth message uh, on our series called Replenish. Um, we gave this sermon uh, or this series a tagline called Healthy Habits for Healthy Hearts. Um, we, we thought uh, it was a very good um, way of starting the year, just understanding what God wants from us. Because I know at the end of the year, some, some of us, we, we fill up our calendar. We think, God, oh, this is what we, what we want to do. But we want not just to give God our calendar, but we want to give God our hearts. So that's why we're talking about healthy habits for healthy hearts. So um, if you are not with us, uh, this past three messages uh, that have been preached already, Blake kicked the series with such a great message where he encouraged us um, to focus more on our deep relationship with Jesus more than what we can do for him. The reason for that is because we are not human doing, but we are human being. And he was looking at the uh, story of Martha and Mary. Martha chose a good portion, uh, just sitting on Jesus' feet, just to listen from him. And our second message, Prince, he made it clear that the only way to be fruitful in our Christian journey, in our life of sanctification, is only through by abiding in Jesus. John 15, he was just talking about abide in me, and then because without me you will do nothing. The only way to bear fruit is to be in Jesus. And last week, Kenan did a fantastic job by reminding us that prayer is the key for our life of sanctification. And, and he gave a very good example. I really like this example where he said prayer is like a steering wheel. Once you let go of it, you might find yourself in the ditch. Because if you, if, if you know if you're driving the car, only, all, all the time you need to have your hands in your steering. But if you are not a prayerful Christian, you're like a, 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 a Christian who, opalufo, we drive you will end up in the direction of the destination you want to be. So, but today, we want to end our series with uh, this topic of meditating. We're ending our series with this topic of meditating. I just want to ask you a question this morning. How many of us have been anxious about something? You know, when you talk about uh, anxious about something is where you, you have something that keeps going on and on and on in your brain, on your mind, and you don't know how to stop it. You know, I'm talking about something that you always just think about it, and sometimes you can't even fall asleep at night. Then you can even, sometimes you wish you can have a pause button where you can press pause so that you can be able to sleep and pick that up in the morning. And maybe you can get some sleeping pills where you can take some pills so that my mind will switch off. I stop thinking about this thing and then put it behind me. You know, that's a situation sometimes we face in our lives. How many of us have experienced that? You've got something that just sits on your mind, and you're trying to put it off. It doesn't go off. You think about, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to handle this. I, I do that. Sometimes I even wake up from my bedroom and just go and sit in the lounge um, and just relax and get enough time that I can be able to think sitting rather than sleeping because sometimes if my mind is facing sideways, maybe I don't think straight enough. So for me to be able to think straight, you must sit up. Okay, so if we all know that situation, I think we all understand what this meditation is all about. And if we have this kind of understanding, I can even say, let's just go home because we understand the topic of today, meditation. But I want to say today, but that kind of meditation, unfortunately, is a kind of meditation that is always produce negative results. That kind of meditation, sometimes it will bring us some depression of our soul, and sometimes it will give us headache. We'll wake up with migraine, <laughs> with headache that we don't know even what to do with it, and some anxiety and sickness, 
And some of us, they even move to kind of chronic illnesses. You'll end up with kind of uh, depression, high blood pressure, or maybe being diabetic, and, and so on and so on. So that is why today I'm here to bring the good news. I'm here to bring the good news that there is another kind of meditation. The meditation, meditating on the word of God. The word meditate, it means to contemplate. It means to consider. It means to ponder. It means to, to pause and spend enough time just looking in God's words and understand who God is and what he has done and who he is like. You know, this is just more than just reading Bible reading plan. I know here my, my sister was sharing that this month, end of, uh, uh, beginning of March, we're continuing with, with the book of Samuel, we're reading 2 Samuel, but sometimes we just read our Bible just to tick the box. And okay, for me to my, my day to start, I just need to read First Samuel chapter 22 quickly. You read it, then you close the book and you say, it's done. It is more than reading the Bible for obligation. It is more than just reading your Bible just for knowledge. Some of us, they even go to Bible college because I want to know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And some of us, we, we make sure that every year our new, re, new resolution is to read the Bible from cover to cover. And also, some of us, we just read the Bible uh, just because it's a tradition. You know, I know when we, know it, it, we grew up at home, our parents, they teach us to read the Bible. Okay, we're going to read the Bible every day because if I didn't read my Bible, my day is not going to go well. And sometimes people even believe that if I didn't read the Bible, I will have some bad luck along the way. But meditating is reading God's word in a way that will allow him to change us. Will, will allow us to delight ourselves in his word. So I want us to quickly read from Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, reading from uh, verse 1 to 14, quickly. And it will be there on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. The heaven declares the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their voice <clears throat> oh, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clear, enduring forever. The, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declares, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back from your servant also from presumptuous uh, sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted or be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that is alive and is sharper than the double-edged sword, the word that is here to um, lighten our soul and to 
redeem us and to give us um, your heart for us as your children. Lord God, we give you glory and praise. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you will prepare our hearts as we listen from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful psalm that we have read this morning. This beautiful psalm, yet is so dramatic, because if you read like from verse 3 to verse 6, you see some acting that is happening there with the sun and the moon, and also it's poetic as well. And um, so if you just think about this psalm, it's just collecting everything that you find in all other books that you, you read in Psalms. And another thing that you want to notice about Psalm uh, chapter 19 is that it's a shorter version of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has got a lot of verses as well, but it's like summed up in this Psalm chapter 19. So my sermon points this morning are taken from the big idea that we get from Psalm 19. This is the big idea we find in Psalm 19. The witness of creation and the truth of the scripture will always lead to life surrendered to God. The witness of creation and the truth about God that is found in the scripture will always lead to life surrendered to God. Um, straight away, I just want to go to our point number one, meditating on God's creation. So in this first line of the, uh, this ancient poet, David sets in his mind um, the, 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 the greatness of heaven, and he's looking at the blue sky, and he's looking at, at the, the, the decorated clouds in the sky, he's looking at the sun and the moon and the stars, and he says these words, the heavens declares the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims God's handiwork. It is amazing that he just sums up, in this one sentence, he sums up everything about the beautiful thing that you, when you look up the sky, sometimes we even take our cameras and, and just when, you, when the sky is nice and decorated, it gives this like orange and blue and, and then you just feel like, wow, this is so beautiful. In my house, I've got a very like a, like a view, by the way, then I can be able just to see the sun, you know, coming out like orange in color and it will go down in red. And then you see like all the, the clouds and the stars and the moon. And it was like always marveled in the greatness of our Lord Jesus. You know, when every day when we look at the sky, all this decorated cloud and the sun that shines upon all of, all of us, it actually got just so merciful that he brings that and he gives that as a gift to all the good people and the bad people um, at the same time. That alone, it speaks of the greatness, of the, of the merciful and faithfulness of God in our lives. It communicates something to us about God. And then he continues to say, even night after night, through the sky, the moon and the stars, God reveals his knowledge. God reveals his knowledge. And then we just think about, wow, God is so wonderful. And then how he put this thing together. Sometimes you just take a walk to the beach there, and you just see those waves coming powerful towards you, and then after that it will go back. And then you see other waves coming, then they will go back. We see, this is amazing display of the greatness and the glory of God. And then you see everything that is happening around us, it speaks of the greatness of God. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 3, it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what a man that you are mindful of, and the son of man that you care for him. And I was just looking at those two, two words that are found in verse 3, that God is mindful of you. <laughs> God is mindful of you. Even these days, we, we're crying about water shortage and everything. God sometimes brings the rain so that we can, he can provide for us because he's mindful of you. Sometimes even this day, today, today is cooler because God is mindful of you. And also he's talking about that he cares for you and for me. You know, when that thought comes to our mind, 
that God has have forgotten us and he doesn't care about us anymore, just look at the heavens and the work of his fingers. There's a song that I like. It says, if you think God is dead, you better look around. If you think God, because sometimes when we go through the difficult situations in our lives, we think, where are you, God? You have forgotten about me. You don't even care about me. But just pause in that moment and just look around. Look at the sky. Look at the birds that are flying. Look at, look at the creation. One day we were having an a, a, a elder's prayer, Tuesday morning, 5 a.m. As we were starting our Zoom meeting for prayer, the roosters started like, for the whole hour. And then we were praying this side, and the rooster was praying on the other side, and all my neighbors were making different. I was like, God, you are so amazing. As I'm praying, I was feeling pumped just because of the God's creation. Isn't that amazing? If you think God is dead, just take your time. Just look around. Just look what God is doing. In Psalm chapter 19, he tells us that God made this massive universe not to show us how great we are, but to display his glory and to proclaim his glorious craftsmanship and to reveal his knowledge. And that's what we see from the Psalm chapter 19. So then he continued to verse 2 to verse 4. He says, this happens every day and every night without fail. And then verse 2 says, his speech, his words, his voice goes out through all the earth. And his voice and his words to the ends of the world. And every single day and every night, his voice is loud and it's clear so that we are without excuse. And you know, one day, some people like, have some excuses that I, I'm not safe because no man, nobody preached to me. You don't need anyone to come and preach to you. Just look around and then you'll see that God is alive. And then some, in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, reminds us that, um, that God is alive, and he speaks to us, he confirms what verse 2 to verse 4 says. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to us, because God has shown to us for his invisible attributes, Namely, his eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that men are without excuse. God is speaking to us every, from night to night, from day to day. It's just that we're turning our blind eye from what God is saying to us. You know, in verse 3, he says, there is no speech, nor are these words, or are the words whose voice is not heard. There is no speech, nor are they words whose voice is not heard. David ends this first section with a specific example from creation. He says, the sun, he's talking about the sun, he talks about how every morning the sun burst out from his room like a man on his wedding day. He's talking about like a bridegroom. When a, a, a man coming out with great ex excitement and anticipation, I remember on the 15th of May, uh, 2004, when I had this privilege to get married to the beautiful woman in my life, and uh, I couldn't wait because we said our wedding will be nine o'clock. I was like, oh, nine o'clock. I woke up like two o'clock in the morning. I said, like, I wish it can be nine o'clock now. <laughs> you know, and the Bible is talking about that the sun every day comes out with great excitement, like a, like a bridegroom coming out excited. And then, it's like an, and then it continues, says, like an athlete. It runs and finishes each race every day with strength, with power, and with joy and endurance. 
its rising is from one end of the horizon and its circuits to the end of them. Nothing on earth can escape the light and the heat of the sun. All of us in the world, nobody can say, I'm 40 years old today, i never seen the sun coming out in, in the sunset. All of us, we see those things. Those are things that the witnesses that God is alive, that God, he cares for you, that God, he's mindful of you, that God, he loves you so that you can be able to respond to him. All humanity can see and feel the warmth of the sun in some way. And then we can learn that there is a God and understand that God is love and he loves you and he loves me. But God is not satisfied with just humanity to just merely cloudly understand God through creation, but God also revealed himself through the scriptures. That is our second point. Because when you're talking about the creation, you don't need to be educated. You don't need to be able to read and write because all those things is things that you can be able to see, the things that are displayed in your eyes. But the second point, God says, I even help people that who are reasoning, people who want to made to, be un to understand something. He said, I have put down those things to the Bible. Point number two, meditating on God's word. Why it is so good to meditate on God's word? It is because the word of God is perfect. The word of God is sure. The word of God is right. The word of God is reliable and stable. The word of God is pure and clean. The word of God is true and righteous. It has no faults or errors. There is no fake news in it. It is enduring and lasting forever and never changes. It is holy. It's unlike us. If you read those verses from, from verse 7 to 11, it explains all these things. That the word of God is perfect. The word of God is pure. The word of God is right, is reliable, is stable, is clean. The word of God is true, is righteous, is enduring. It lasts forever. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Which means it's something that we can put our trust in it. How many of us were promised that they are, they've got a Valentine present, but you didn't get anything? <laughs> now the February is going to end, towards an end this week, but you, did, you didn't get those flowers and those chocolates and everything. But the promises of God are not like promises of men. Promises of God are yes and amen. God will never say, I never afforded to do this. But he gave everything that he has. He gave his son so that you and me can be saved. God told Joshua one day in chapter 1 verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, many of us want the prosperity. We want to be successful, but we deny, we close the Bible. We don't even want to look at it. But the Bible says, God says here in Joshua, if you take this law and not depart from it, and then you meditate on it day and night, as the sun, the creation speaking to us day and night, and the Bible is speaking to us day and night, the Bible says, when you be careful to do according to what is written in it, in the Bible, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. The answer of all the problems that you have is in the word of God. There is nothing in this world that can be compared to the word of God. No human promises, no money, no power, no fame, absolutely nothing 
it is only the word of God because the word of God is perfect. Uze atu tafite kumahubo 19 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, David is trying to say, your word is the one thing that gives me a direction for my life. Brothers and sisters, if the word of God is not the lamp to your feet and the light to your path, other things will occupy space. The other things will take over. Some of the things are Netflix, TV, soapies, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, gossiping about other people. You spend the rest of your life doing those things, but at the end of the day, they will give you more stress than success. If you can just count how many times you spend watching the movie, episode by an episode by an episode by an until hundreds, whatever, but have you ever read even one chapter in the Bible? You spend more time on Facebook. You aren't posting so that people can like you. But do you like God? What? All of us are devoted to something. Anything that you give much of your airtime, it is your compass. It is your thing that is pointing where you're going. But the sad reality is that when we're devoting ourselves to all those things, we, they end up leading us to death because I like this, I want to buy it. <laughs> They're leading us to more sin. They're leading us to even have a big void in our hearts because the Bible says, And you'll never be satisfied by anything else or in this world other than the word of God. But if you spend more time meditating on God's word, God will communicate himself to you. Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandment. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Even if we're struggling with sin, the word of God is the one that is helping us to stay away from sin. Just as creation declares the glory of God and the word of God more precisely speaks to us of the glory of God through his word, God revealed himself who he is and what he is like, and what he has done. In John, in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So when we look deep into the scriptures, we see Jesus. There is no way that you can read the Bible and miss him. If you want to get more understanding of him, someone say something that I really like and said, if you cut the Bible anywhere from Genesis to Revelation, it will bleed. That means it will display something about the gospel, about the love of God, and how he sent his son Hebrews chapter 1, he said, God, he has spoken to us in so many ways through prophets and everything, but in the last days, he spoke to us through his son. That was the preparation of God to send his son to us so that we can be able to understand him. From verse 7 to verse 8 or to verse 11, there are these things that we see. At the beginning, we're seeing that the word of God is true, is perfect, is everything, but there is a result. If we read and spend time in God's word, the Bible says, when we meditate on his words, the word of God revives our soul. 
It makes the simple, the wise simple. It rejoices the hearts. It's enlightening the eye. It's enduring forever. The word of the word of God endures forever. The word of God is true and righteous, and it satisfies our desires than gold, and is sweeter also than honey. The dripping of the honeycomb. It warns us. It also rewards us. There's such amazing thing when you read the word of God. These are the benefits you get. It revives your soul. And have you ever spent time with someone you go back, say, I regret that I, I went and visited this person because I come down, I come back, I'm feeling very guilty and down. <laughs> but you never do that when you come to the word of God. It, it revives your soul. It makes the wise simple. It, it, it rejoicing the heart. It lightening your eye. You see things in a, in a fresh light. And you can see that it's enduring forever because some people, they can give up on you, they can reject you, but Jesus will always love you and call you and say, come to me, come to me. So the world will promise all these things, all these benefits, the world promises us. They promise us life, they promise us knowledge, they promise us happiness, they promise us pleasure. That is worth all the money that we have in the world. But in Isaiah 55, Jesus is sending an invitation and he's showing the compassion to us and he invites us and says, come everyone who are thirst, come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that so that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast and show love for David. Says, Jesus says, all these things that the world is promises is found in me. But the only opposite is that you don't spend even a cent. But in the world, I know I've got some epic that I need to put down a little bit, but I need to pay for Virgin Active. I mean, you need to get for movies, I need to pay for, for movies, I need to do things. You spend money so that you can come back and sleep and say, I feel so much satisfied. Some, some of us, we like food. We go and eat McDonald's, whatever, KFC, spell, and we spend money on those things because we want to get some satisfaction. There is a void that is in our heart. But Jesus says, I can fill that void for free of charge. But I want to say, I'm not trying to say those things are bad, but those things are good. But there's something that is better than that, that is found in the word of God. That is why it's not surprising the way David ends this section by saying these words, the word of God is much better than gold, even much fine gold. The word of God is much better than the, the, the money and everything. He's, he's been giving about the, the, the honey. <laughs> honey is sweet, but he said the word of God is sweeter than that. So which means you will never compare the word of God with anything. Do we believe what the word of God says? Or do we live like we believe that? Our lives are showing that do we believe what the word of God says? Do we spend our time, do we spend our money like we believe that the promises and the benefits that are coming from God are true and amen? Do we believe that his words can give us life and joy that we are seeking every day in our lives. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says these words, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. There are so many things that we are busy seeking, we are busy looking for, but those things are found in God. He said, he will... He will provide for those things. Now in verse 11, he tells us that God's weight offers us both the warning and the reward. He says, moreover, by them 
in your servant is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. So this is amazing because when David is looking at the creation, David is looking at the word of God and he sees how merciful and how loving God is and it makes him to turn towards himself. Then this is my last point. He chose to respond to God. You know, after describing how creation obeys and glorifies God day in and day out, how the faithfulness of God is revealed in his words through Jesus, then he chose to surrender his life to Jesus. In James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, reading from NLT, but don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror, and then you see yourself, and then you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully in the, into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it, is, what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. Some of us, we know we've got mirrors everywhere. We've got mirrors in our dining room. We've got mirrors in our passage. We've got mirrors in our bedrooms. We've got mirrors in our phones. We've got mirrors in our, our handbag, handbags. Because we always look at ourselves, and then after a minute, we forgot what we look like. We want to look again, you know. And uh, we always want to make sure that we remind ourselves, okay, before I meet so-and-so, let me go quickly to the bathroom. You polish yourself, then you come for a meeting. But sometimes we do that when we read the Bible. We read the Bible, and then once we close it, we forgot. We do our devotion in the morning. We read the Bible. Once we finish, we close it. We even forget what he's talking about. We can't even share on going deeper because we don't even know what we read this morning. When you read the Bible, do you apply it in your life? As the, as the scripture has just revealed it to you, meditating is not about just 30-minute devotion, devotional time and then you go your way. You can't even remember what you were reading about. But meditating is reading the, verse, the Bible and then the whole day you're meditating about what God has been saying to you. Meditating is looking at God's creation, reading his words, and then you ask yourself these three questions. These are the most important questions. What does this passage say about God, about the Father, about the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What does this passage say about me and my relationship with God and others? And then what should I do as my response? If you read the Bible and you don't ask yourself these questions, you'll be like someone who's just looking at the mirror. Once you turn your back, then you forgot what you look like. But meditating is reading the Bible. Then you ask yourself the question, God, what are you saying to me from this passage? What does this passage say about, about me and about my relationship? What is revealing about you? And then what should I do about it? It involves more than just reading it but it involves prayerfully application. In verse 12, right away David asks this question, who can discern his errors? When he looks at God, David's own errors and all his own sins, they've just been magnified. You know, you remember Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, where the Bible says, uh, Isaiah was saying these words, in the year when the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his garment filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, and each with six wings, and with others he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to one another and say, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. His, then the foundation of the threshold shook the voice of him who, who called. And 
the house was filled with the smoke. You just look at that. He sees God. He sees the creation. And then number, number five, number three, and then he said to himself, who is me? For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people who, who have unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So you will never read the Bible and the God doesn't reveal anything about you. But have you ever read the Bible and the Bible reveals something about somebody else? Or maybe you sit and listen to the sermon and say, I wish so and so can, can hear this. And it's like looking at the mirror, but you see somebody else. Even I'm married to my wife, but I'll never stand in front of the mirror and the mirror showed me my wife. But I always see myself. What is going on here? Once our lives, our actions, our words are placed up against the perfection and clarity and the beauty and the goodness of who God is and what he has done, it is so obvious that we will fall short. Not even fall short, we will fall way short because we see the holiness of God and then we see how sinful we are. And then David says these three things. From verse 12, he, he sees... He's confessing his sins to Jesus about his hidden sins. Meaning that those sins that a person may commit without realizing until it is revealed to him. Have you ever done something, maybe you've spoken something to someone, and then you go, things are fine, and then you come back, someone, you get an email or message, what, what you said to me, it really broke my heart. Or maybe I felt offended. But you didn't even realize that I was so wrong. And then David says, God, will you declare me clean from even those sins that are hidden, that I don't even understand? And then he continues, says, will you declare me innocent from presumptuous sins? David prays to the Lord to restrain him from presumptuous sins. What are these sins, presumptuous sins? Are the sins that we commit with, with great arrogance or will, will, willful, and we commit them with our eyes open, and we know that this is wrong, God doesn't want this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And as pastors, we, do, we, 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 we face things like that every day. We tell people, this thing is not right, it doesn't agree with what God is saying, and then the person will stand up and go and do the same thing. Those are the presumptuous sins. Jeremiah 22, verse 21 says, I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth that you have not obeyed my voice. David doesn't want this kind of sin to dominate his life. So he prays to God that he will deliver him from him. And the last thing that David is talking about in our last verse, in verse 14, he says, that, please deliver me from the sin of corrupt words and evil thoughts. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, especially verse 1, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart. And David was like, God, you even understand what I think in my heart and in my mind before even I say it? The fool says in his heart. He said, you didn't confess it, but in your heart you said, there is no God. Even when we're telling you about Jesus, that Jesus loves you and he died for you, you say, no, there is nothing like that. This is just like, <laughs> you know. But David says, He is aware that sin lies deeper than our outside actions. He also prays that the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart, they must be accepted before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, 
The word of God searches our innermost being and shows us our wrong thoughts, which are the source of our wrong words and our wrong doings that we do. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is living and is active and is sharper than the double-edged sword and is, is piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrows, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What a prayer. What a prayer David just prayed to God when you look at the creation, when they look at, look at the words of God and say, Lord, please forgive me for the things that I've committing without knowing. Please forgive me for the things that I commit, even if I know that this is wrong, but the flesh pushed me to keep doing this. Will you please re rescue me from this and redeem me from that as well? And also, will you forgive me from the thoughts of my heart and my mind? Will you forgive me from those things? Give me away from this thing because I need your help. How many of us, they need God's help? I cannot do this on my own. You know, David was saying these things because he knew that he was not blameless. He knew that he, knew that he was not innocent of great transgression. We all know that David, there's a David story in the Bible where he committed half of the Ten Commandments in one week. How he did that with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. He coveted his wife's neighbor. He committed adultery. He stole. He lied against his neighbor and he murdered in one week. And he said, Lord, I am weak. I need your help. We're not saved. We're not walking in this world, uh, life of righteousness because we are strong. We are walking because of God's help, of his mercy and grace. What do we do when we find ourselves in this position? When the word of God, which is our mirror, reveals to our life that we are running short, that it reveals that we are not blameless, we are not innocent of great trans transgression, that we can't help ourselves, where do we run to? David gives us an answer at the end of chapter 14. The solution is to surrender our lives to God, our rock and our redeemer. This was not a proud proclamation, but this was his humble prayer asking God's help. When David looked at God's creation and, and meditated on God's words, and he realized that only God who was a provider of his security and of his salvation. I want us to go to the communion this morning with this thought. Jesus is our only redeemer who can rescue us from our natural state of being in bondage of sin and a state of serving ourselves in a destructive way. But God, rich in mercy, in his great love, he has sent his only begotten son who lived a perfect life, who came and suffered and died on the cross and he rose again on the third day for you and for me so that he can bring us this redemption and reconciliation back to our Heavenly Father. He can bring us back to the healthy relationship with our Father because he is our rock and our salvation. And then as we stand this morning, can we all stand as we stand this morning, I want us as we take this communion this morning to look at Jesus as our rock and our redeemer. When we look at creation, how the creation obeys God, we fall short. Every day and every night, they obey him. They do exactly what God commanded them to do. But we fail every day. As I was giving an example about the roosters, every day without failing. But sometimes we forget even to pray. 
But sometimes when we look at God's word, we look at God's words as a mirror, we see how holy is God and we see how filthy and dirty we are. But God provided a way for us through Jesus. That when we feel weak, we can stand on this rock. When we feel sinful and dirty, he is our redeemer. We can so as we come and take, we come with a grateful heart. Lord Jesus, as if I look at this juice and I look at this biscuit, I look at this rock and my redeemer. I look at the work of my salvation that I have been falling short. I've been walking in the destructive way, but God, rich in mercy, found me through his son. Let's go to those tables and say and be grateful to God as we partake together. Amen. I hope you have realized that in my whole sermon, when we're looking at the creation, when we're looking at the word of God and we're meditating on God, and we're looking at how David see himself as a sinful man who break his rules every day, but there was no do's and don'ts. The only thing that we're talking about as we talking about in this series of, of replenish, that the only thing is to surrender our life to Jesus, is to meditate on him. Because we, the more we look at him, the more he will change us. The more we look at the word of God, the, the more how he's going to change our hearts and our mind. The Bible says the word of God revives our souls. It lightens our eyes. And everything that feels like, I cannot do this, but when we look at Jesus, everything is possible. You don't need to try hard. You don't need to do better in this and that. The only thing that you need to do is to meditate on God, meditate on his word, meditate on Jesus, on what he has done for you and for me. And your life will change and surrender your life and know him as your rock and your salvation. Let's thank God together for what he has done for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this bread that represents your body and for this juice that represents your blood. Lord Jesus, we know that you looked at us failing couldn't do this, even law couldn't even help us to fulfill your will. But you've decided to send your son, Jesus, who came and fulfilled the law for us, that we can be able to stand here boldly before the throne of grace because of what you have done for us. As we take this bread and take this wine, we are grateful for what you have done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.